how did they come into the room? How did they come out of the carrier? Do they come out of the carrier? So if they're moving forward through the room, if we see them, if we move toward them, do they move away? Do we see their body language move away from us or do they move toward us, right? Are they seeking that engagement? And if we put out a finger, do they bunt up against it? We want them to be initiating that contact with us and that helps us really interpret that purr in a more positive way. Welcome in to the Perfect Your Practice podcast. This is sponsored by Zoetis and powered by AAFP. I'm Dr. Natalie Marks, and these are bite-sized and snackable pieces of information to help you elevate feline medicine in your practice for your patients, your clients, and your team. I'm so happy to have back Dr. Margaret Gruen, feline expert and associate professor of behavioral medicine at NC State University College of Veterinary Medicine. Thanks for joining us again. Thanks for having me back. It's so fun to be here. Well, it is for us, too, because we always talk about such great information that's also very practical for us to know in our behavioral assessments and handling within the exam room. Today, though, I'm so excited because we're going to bust some myths, um, specifically that all cats that purr are happy and content. We're talking about the many causes of purring, and I think this is something that so many clients and veterinary teams misunderstand and miscommunicate, right? So I wanna first start by asking this <laughs> very open-ended question, but I think you'll have a lot to say. Why do cats purr? Yeah, it's one of the great mysteries, right? We don't even fully understand how they purr, but they purr in a lot of different contexts. So we, we know they do purr in contact, right? They purr when they are happy. That is part of what they're doing. So when we pet them, they may start purring. When they see a favored person, they may start purring. But they also purr in a lot of contexts where we don't think of them as being happy or content, right? So we'll see them purring when they're in labor. We'll see them purring when they're very, very ill, even when they're very close to death. My own cat was blocked, came in and was just purring, purring, purring away when we know what he must have been was really very stressed. So there's lots of contexts where cats purr that are not all positive. And so it's important that we know those different contexts, that we don't just think, oh, because he's purring, he's okay. I really think about it the same way, I know we're talking about cats, but with tail wagging dogs, that if dogs are wagging their tail, that means they're happy, we can just go ahead and do whatever interaction we were about to do or introduction. And it's not, right? Tail wag can happen in a lot of contexts that mean that they're moving forward, but not necessarily that the interaction is going to be positive. And I think that's not just important for our teams to know, but also, of course, for our clients, because I think that's a big misunderstanding that a cat may be feeling horribly at home, may have very advanced disease. But to your point of your own cat, um, you know, I've had many clients bring in their cats and are completely blown away that their cat's in you know, uremic kidney failure or has severe liver disease or, you know, has neoplasia. And they're like, but she's been purring every day. And I think that really misguides them um, quite a bit, right, in the ability of, of need and understanding how their cat really feels at home. Absolutely. Absolutely. So why, when, we, when we're thinking about these types of purring, I, I guess, since you said it's a bit of a, still a mystery, we may not have all the answers today, but when we have a patient in the exam room, how do you guide veterinary teams of assessment 
of that per real time? How do we look at that patient? And what other factors do we need to take into account um, from the client or the patient, you know, his or herself, to help us truly evaluate why that patient might be purring? Right. So we need to take the purr in context. What else is the cat doing? So if the cat is approaching us and bunting on our hands and purring, that is probably positive. But if the cat is hunched and you know, tightly wrapped up and purring, that may not be so positive, right? So we really need to look at the whole cat, like we do for every, all, all the things that we talk about. We need to really take that more holistic approach. Think about the whole cat. So yes, it's purring. That's a little piece of information that we need to interpret in the context of everything else that that cat is doing and help owners recognize that, help caregivers recognize that we, we need to look at this entire cat and what they're doing. You know, if your cat is in your home and staying in one small spot and not moving very much but purrs when you approach, well, that's, that's not a positive, right? That cat's not living their full life. So we have to really help them understand that it's a piece of information that doesn't tell us everything about the cat's life experience. And I think um, one of the things that we can do to help our clients from home, and I think Dr. Colloran said it best, as she said, the most important tool is a smartphone, right? We, if a client is saying, I, I don't really understand what my cat's trying to tell me here, they can video, right, and, and send to us. You get a lot of video assessment. Is it helpful for you as a behaviorist? It's so helpful. I mean, it's the most critical piece of what we get because we, especially with cats, do not see them in their most normal behavior, right? When they come into the clinic, we see a, a piece of their behavior, but we definitely don't see the range of their behaviors. So when owners are and caregivers are able to get that video, it helps us both for educating them, so talking with them, engaging them in what they're seeing and what the cat's responses are, but also giving us that information in the home environment, which is so critical. And it used to be really difficult to get video, but now people carry very high-resolution video cameras around in their pockets all the time. So it's so easy for us to get it, and it really is incredibly valuable. So how can we... Um, well, what sound bites, I guess, maybe can we give to veterinary teams that are listening that are wanting to have just a few quick things to share with clients about purring, right? We, there's a lot we don't know. There is a lot we do. But if a client, especially we have so many brand new first time cat parents out there who maybe are like, I just, I don't, I don't understand it all. Can we give them a, a few tips on how to better understand the purr and for our teams to better understand the purr? Yeah, and some of the purr is pretty individual. So there's some neat research that shows that owners are able to identify their cat's different purrs, but then if you ask a group of students to do it, they're not as able to. So part of it is experience and hearing the purrs in those different contexts and really understanding. I think it starts with an appreciation that they can have different sounds and different contexts, right? So once you're open to that, then you start paying attention to what are those different sounds and where do I hear them? And so helping caregivers understand that too and understand that their cats may not always be happy when they're doing it gives them the opportunity to really look at those different times. Um, I think you can engage people in being excited about the purr, tell them you know fun little things like, did you know that you can't both purr and roar? So lots of felids purr, but the ones that roar do not. So there's, you know, getting them kind of thinking about 
purring as an important communication tool, that really helps them kind of think about all those different concepts and then start paying attention to them. That's such a great tip and, and a great trivia piece, right, yes. for everyone mm-hmm. to know and to communicate. You mentioned um, in the exam room one of the ways for us to understand the PER is, of course, the PER in context. And I think a great review before we wrap up today would be for us to just kind of talk a little bit more about feline body language, just to make sure we're all on the same page of what that happy, relaxed cat looks like in the exam room. And what a cat that's not feeling well, whether it's physically and or emotionally, would look like. So let's start with that happy cat. We hear the cat purring. What would you see in that cat, whether it's sitting on the owner's lap or on the exam table or walking around the exam room, that would give you that context of happiness is here, this cat's you know, acclimating and relaxed and ready for us to approach? Yes, so we start with how did they come into the room? How do they come out of the carrier? Do they come out of the carrier? So if they're moving forward through the room, if we see them, if we move toward them, do they move away? Do we see their body language move away from us or do they move toward us, right? Are they seeking that engagement? And if we put out a finger, do they bunt up against it? We want them to be initiating that contact contact with us and that helps us really think interpret that purr in a more positive way. But their body language should be relaxed, right? We should see their limbs be untucked from underneath them. We should see their tail out. We should see their ears in a nice, relaxed, normal position. And we should see that they're looking slowly around the room, right? Not darting around, not paying attention to every single noise that happens. And then as we increase arousal, we start to see their body tense up a bit more. So their limbs get more tucked, their tail comes around them more, their ears may start to turn back and then flatten even if they're really getting more anxious. And they'll stop seeking us out, right? If we approach, they almost will sort of freeze or even start to move away. So we want to stop well before we see that. We want to start recognizing those signs as soon as their body language changes, as soon as their posture changes and they start tucking up those limbs. That to me is a sign right away to say, okay, let's pause and think about how we can make this cat more comfortable. Because once we've kind of lost the cat, we've lost the cat, right? We're going to have to stop and regroup and try again another time. So we never want to get to the point where we've pushed the cat past their ability to cope. So watching for those signs early. And if we have a cat who's purring who then stops purring, that's important. So a change is important as well. There's so much good information there. And, and it's not just for veterinary teams, right? That's also for clients Absolutely. to be able to assess how their cat is feeling at home. Now, we may not have, um, you know, 45 minutes to an hour if a client walks in and goes, I want to know everything right about cat body language and I want to make sure I know every time my cat is uncomfortable. Um, Certainly we'd love to probably talk about that, but we may just efficiently not have that time. What are some good resources that we can share with our clients, um, websites maybe, that we could either link on our website or send out in a text or an email so that these clients have additional places they can go for information like this? Sure. There's some great resources, obviously, from feline researchers like Mikel Delgado and Zazie Todd, so who've really worked on what are the behavioral signs that we see when cats are happy and how can we start to notice when maybe they're a little bit less happy. And then 
Um, Sophia Yin has done a lot of uh, great resources um, out there. She's really got a lot of excellent resources for veterinarians on towel wraps and how to do those, how to really walk through how to do those. And those can be good for clients, too, if they have to cut their cat's nails at home, right? And they want to be able to do that in a way that's less stressful for the cat. So they're resources that are really for everybody. This has been such an eye-opening podcast because you've really demystified, I think, a lot of the why is my cat purring myths that are out there and also cleared up a lot of ways that our teams can pretty easily take the context of that purr and assess and, and make great choices to, like you said, to make sure that we are watching for that change in behavior and pausing and postponing and replanning if that change happens so that we can keep those cats physically and emotionally happy as possible in our exam rooms. Thank you again, Dr. Gruen. It's always a pleasure. You're always so, again, both practical and, and just have such a depth of knowledge to share with our teams. We really appreciate you being here. Thanks so much. I'm Dr. Natalie Marks. Thanks again for listening to the Perfect Your Practice podcast sponsored by Zoetis and powered by AAFP. We'll see you next time.